Hey everyone, before we get into this episode about Daisy Jones and the Six, I have a couple announcements about upcoming events Tonebenders is putting together. We had such an amazing turnout and such a great night with the sound design meetup we put on in LA earlier this year that we're going to do a few more this fall. So if you are listening from Toronto or New York City, get ready to mark down these dates in your calendar. First up, Tuesday, September 26th at 7 p.m., there will be a sound design meetup in Toronto at The Pilot near Bloor and Bay. Then exactly one month later, on October 26th, we're having another one in New York City at the Crompton Ale House in Chelsea, again at 7 p.m. So that's September 26th in Toronto and October 26th in New York. The New York meetup coincides with AES, so if you're going to the convention, you can swing by this as well. Please clear those dates if you'll be in the area. It will be great to hang out with everyone and hear your stories of audio glories and even your defeats. The previous meetups we have done in LA and Austin have been really wonderful evenings, and I expect these to be the same. So come on out if you can. Full details will be on our website, tonebenderspodcast.com. Okay, let's get to the show. You're listening to Tonebenders, the sound designer's podcast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Tonebenders, where we talk with the sonic artists behind our favorite films, games, and series. My name is Tim Muirhead, and I will be your host today as we dig into the sound of 70s-inspired rock and roll featured in the hit Amazon series, Daisy Jones and the Six. The project is a music-based show that has our hero band playing in everything from garages to small clubs to Saturday Night Live, theaters, and finally, massive stadiums. Each venue sounds super realistic. And as the titular band gets bigger and bigger, the PA systems and crowds grow with each new episode. Our guests today are responsible for these great mixes, as we have the series re-recording mixers Lindsay Alvarez and Matthew Waters. This is their first time they've both been on Tonebenders, so let's meet them now. First up, we have Lindsay Alvarez, who is on the faders for dialogue and music on Daisy Jones and the Six. Lindsay has worked on some great series recently, including Rings of Power, Minx, Al Capoco, and Only Murders in the Building. Welcome to Tonebenders, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I'm a big fan of a lot of those shows. I think Al Capoco might be my wife's favorite show, actually. So, uh... Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we also have with us Matthew Waters. Matthew handled the sound effects, BGs, and Foley on Daisy Jones and the Six. Some of his recent work includes The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, The Underground Railroad, uh, two projects that probably couldn't be more different. He was also on Only Murders in the Building. It's great to meet you, Matthew. Welcome. Great to meet you. Thank you. Daisy Jones and the Six isn't your first project together. Uh, How did you end up working alongside each other? And maybe let's have both of you throw a compliment or something you've learned from the other one while working with each other. Uh, Lindsay, you want to take that first? So our first project together was season one of Only Murders in the Building. And yeah, I mean, we had a great time working on that show. Once that finished... I think the way it fell, you know, we weren't working together uh, until maybe like a year later. And that was on Daisy Jones and the Six. And since then, we've also worked on other projects. But yeah, what have I learned from Matt Waters? How to have a good time on the stage. (laughs) Um, I mean, so many things, uh, technically, uh, for sure. Uh, I But I mean... Even our first days working on Only Murders, you know, that one was a very short 
mix. I mean, we didn't have much time. And I mean, I was just uh, appreciative of the time that he let me get the dialogue and music settled, generous with the time and um, taking a step back to listen to it and, you know, make sure that we're not drawing your attention away from the story. He's always emphasized the storytelling aspect of these shows that we work on. And it's like, hey, not just about the sound of like making this cool, but, you know, is it helping us tell the story? And so I, I carry that with me all the time since then. Matthew? Well, I'm tearing up here. Hold on one second. I'm, <laughs> I'm tearing up. That was nice. Thank you so much. I think we work really well together. And, and um, look, Lindsay is, I mean, she's just outstanding. Not only does she have great ears and great uh, talent and understand technical aspects, but uh, her demeanor on the stage is incredibly infectious and pleasant. We could work with the hardest of hard directors and she'll just smile and say, okay, let's try it. And they'll, they'll immediately calm down and know that they're in a safe space and a great place. It, it sounds trite, but it's unbelievable how much that is a quality to use in your daily work life. And uh, she does it better than most. Plus, she lets me talk to her while she's working. I <laughs> <laughs> she's she's really good at concentrating while there's a yapping going on next to her and stuff like that. But in all honesty, I think we have a really great relationship, a, a great working relationship and a great stage vibe. Whereas if she's doing something, you know, I can keep the uh, clients entertained. You know, it's a long day and vice versa. If I'm working on something, um, you know, she can keep uh, everybody engaged on the stage while the concentration because one thing that you know everybody on this channel knows is if you're sitting there looking at back of two heads for nine hours it doesn't matter they don't know the oh he just took 3k out of uh this sound effect no 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 they they like to have a good they like to leave and go oh matt Lindsay, they were so much fun and good at what they do it's a quality that uh, is going to take her I can't wait to watch her grow and get all these awards. It's awesome. I love that you both focused on kind of the social aspect of it, because when we're all in school and, and we're starting our career, we're so worried about the knobs and the faders. That's right. And sometimes you forget that if you're not fun to work with, no one wants to work with you, no matter how good the mix sounds. So true. You know what? That's so true. And I think everybody goes through their phases in their profession where, you know, they want to make the biggest and coolest sound, yet I'm working on jackass and the door needs to sound real. And, you know, grandma's door goes, <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's amazing. Well, no, that has nothing to do with the story. Thank you so much. And so then, you know, yeah, through experience and, and being told that that doesn't work, you uh, tend to hopefully catch on fairly quickly. And it's not about you anymore, and it's about what's on screen. And Lindsay, for sure, does that as well as anybody in the business. Okay, well, let's dig into Daisy Jones and the Six now, because uh, as I mentioned in the intro, there are a million different environments that this music is played in, it seems like, in this show. Uh, we start off with the bands uh, making a mess out of music in their garage and then watch them slowly get better and better. But there is a plot point within the show. There's two songwriters in the band, and there's kind of a plot point that their songs are better when they write together than when they're writing separately. And the show doesn't really have enough space to play the songs, the entire song one way and then the entire song the other way. So you hear a little snippet of it, 
and it has to be conveyed to the audience that it's not working. And one of the ways that it's done in this show, which is really effective, is when it's not working, everything's dry and the mix isn't really quite right. And then when it starts working, the vocals have all the schnaw on it and uh, all the mix sounds magical and you get that tingly feeling up your spine when the song starts working. Especially in episode three, I think, uh, the song Honeycomb, uh, they're trying to make the song work. You hear it not working a bunch of times and then at the end it works and it's just like magical. It like literally is like, a ma- maybe not literally, there's no magic, but metaphorically a magical moment. Uh, like I got chills from it and I wanted to have you both kind of talk us through where the creative process led to differentiating between when a song is working and when it's not. That is definitely like one of the harder things that we had to deal with for this show, especially like what you mentioned, you know, the making of the band when they were kids, you know, in their garage. That whole sequence, which is a montage of them, you know, starting learn how to be a band together. And then by the end, they're like, oh, okay, we got this when it's just um, when it's just the six or just the guys, actually. That one was a crazy sequence. And, you know, a lot of it, it's hard when you say you're like, okay, we have to make this bad. We have to do bad mixing. It's like, it's really hard to do. <laughs> they And, you know, even our showrunner was like, yeah, can you make this sound bad? Like, I'm like, wait, like play wrong notes? You know, <laughs> Like, that's what my mind goes to. But it really helps, you know, with that situation, um, add some the big room reverbs or something. We're like, oh, this, this is making me feel like I'm in the garage space and the the mix is out of whack. And so you, you do that throughout the sequence and slowly Everything, of course, is automated. Like, we're like, all right, let's lose that, bring more of this nicer sounding thing in, end up with, you know, the nicely mixed tracks that we all like. But in the case of um, them being in the recording studio recording Honeycomb, the trickery to that, well, let's put the audience in the room with them, you know, when they're recording live, you know, the headphones, you you just hear the sound from the headphones and you're in there with them. This is... Honeycomb, take one. I don't know who I am. And and then you kind of like cut to the perspective of the um the control room. Where where it sounds like, oh yeah, okay, it's coming out of like some studio monitors, but it's not like fully enveloped in my ears right now. You don't let that happen until they jive well together. And and then that's when you're like, all right, now we can release the hounds and let them all sing. But it's such a fun sequence because I, I do love, you know, we started out, most of us start out in music in this business. And uh, 
record in the recording studio and you know you're like oh I think I can play oh no I can't play <laughs> I'm not going to do this but you remember those moments and you're like oh yeah that's fun let's put the audience in this in this moment solo instruments and let them be the mixer as well kind of the one of the things that I liked what you did Lindsay in the garage especially you know cuz garage bands the balance is always off Either the drums are too loud or, yeah. you know, you can't hear the vocal. Everything sounds kind of like not nice and stuff. And so just by doing the balancing and stuff, being the balancing being off and then have it to get better as, it, as they move forward, I thought was really cool the way you did that. What kind of stems were you delivered for the music? Was it all just dry? Like, were you mixing these songs from scratch? Thankfully, I wasn't. We would use... Uh, pre-recorded tracks that they did in the studio. Hundreds of tracks were delivered to our music mixer, Mike Poole. He's in Nashville. I got to Zoom with him and, you know, we kind of thought of a strategy of how we would approach the show. The tracks were delivered to him. He put them together so that I received, you know, mixed stems of the drums, bass, guitars, and vocals. And then what I would do, you know, make them for our TV show. I mean, the music that he delivered sounded amazing, but we're like, oh, but that won't work because we want this to sound diegetic. Let's play even more. But I wasn't starting from square one with the delivery that I got from him. And it, was, it sounded great already, but probably too great. <laughs> he would print verbs, too. And sometimes they worked, but sometimes you're like, ah, it doesn't work for this space. So then we play and, you know, we kept him involved throughout the mix. You know, once we came to a good place, then we would send it off to him and make sure he was happy. And and so like he was like just like a crucial, vital element to this soundtrack. Yeah, I was very appreciative to have that. But I was also appreciative to have recordings from the set because you really want to know how they performed because all of them performed these songs, which is amazing in itself. You know, look back at our music editor, Amber Funk, and I'm like, hey, do you think we could make sure we're all in sync? And so she had a crazy time, I think, you know, putting everything in sync with, you know, the picture. <laughs> but but yeah, it was a lot of like ADR for music. <laughs> Amber's been on our show before. She's great. Uh, you're lucky to she have is. her for sure. Um, yeah. So now you've got the music. You have to put it inside these spaces, the stadiums, the theaters. Um how do you go about building that? What kind of reverbs are you using? Or do you want to talk about building that? And then also, Matthew, if you want to talk about how you get the sound effects and BGs and such in that same space as well. So you have to approach each song and, and each scene that you're given. So like, let's take the Honolulu event uh, where they go to a festival uh, in Honolulu and they're playing, I think, at like Diamond Head. So you are given like this beautiful like canyon-like setting where the stage is set up and um, you're like, okay, here's where I'm going to play with um, my reverbs and my delays. And of course, EQ. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, we've all been to concerts and it is beefy. You feel it in your chest. And that's what I wanted to do um, or convey in our um, mix. It's a lot of playing with the delays, I love to use Slapper, such a good one. And it's a surround delay plugin. So uh, you, you get to play with that. But uh, I also use Altiverb. 
in certain situations and um, recently started using Cinerooms in my music. So uh, that's been fun. But uh, for that one, uh, it's tough because you want that big slap from the mountains in the background, but uh, it can't be too distracting. So you you find your moments to like make sure you hear it. And then you're like, okay, let's tuck it because we don't want this to be a big mess. I loved how that sounded on air and the the work that Matt did to help, you know, help you feel that I thought was instrumental. <laughs> yeah, we work together on those and we just take it uh, scene by scene and story by story, you know, just to beat a dead horse, if you will, like, they just got together on that stage in Diamond Head or Diamond Bar, whatever it was, in, in Hawaii. And so it couldn't be too odd. The, the crowd didn't know who they were. Uh, we had Mark Relier, our sound supervisor, him and his crew, you know, cut backgrounds and stuff. And then we had Walla and Loop Group and we had some production. And then we'd also mic ourselves to do a little woohoo and all that stuff. And we had fun on the stage doing that. But uh, the key is, I mean, I use Slapper as well. I definitely on crowds, I will definitely EQ, you know, two and a half K to three K out. And then all depending on how loud and how bright it gets, I'm very sensitive to that. And uh, so I'll, I'll even shelve some uh, 5K out of that stuff because you don't want it to hurt, but you want it to feel exciting. But the, the big deal is how it's designed, you know, like when Daisy comes out. You know, the crowd does something and then all of a sudden she sings. They look at each other. They do something. Then you let the music play. I mean, it's a song and dance, really. (laughs) But no, it it really is. It really is a dance to create each environment. And, you know, just going back to episode one when they weren't that good and they kind of, uh, you know, they play in front of like 40 people and then all of a sudden you get to uh, Hawaii and now uh, there's people seeing them for the first time. They get excited. In fact, uh, Lindsay was in Australia at the time mixing something, I think. And I called her. I listened to it on air and that episode three in Hawaii, I just thought sounded so good because we both use slapper. We both use delays, whether it be on music or effects or whatnot. I mean, I'm a slapper freak. You could hear everything kind of bounce a little bit and stuff, but yet you're still focused. You could, you know, like she said, it wasn't too messy and you could hear the words and the words are really cool in that song. And then the way the drums kick in and the guitar kick in and and then the crowd, of course. I mean, I actually really love that that moment. It was really cool. But yes, I use a lot of EQ, uh, slapper and uh, and then, you know, just trying. I'm always trying to think when you're there, what is the crowd doing? And I might say, hey, Mark, can I get some of this? Or, hey, Lindsay, can, you know, let's mic ourselves doing this because I think the crowd might do this. And that gives it, uh, I think that gives it a nice touch. And I think we lucked out with that one because it does start with just like an acoustic guitar and the bass going boom, boom, boom. And so you, you're like, oh, great. I have space for you to hear this, this bass. <laughs> yeah, and, and and true with that on the crowd too, because they kind of start out kind of slow, and you just hear a couple little, you know, when they start getting cooking, and then of course Daisy comes out and says, "I'm going to do what I want," and then the crowd's like, "Forget it, this is awesome." And the band is too. It's really cool the way it's shot and, and directed because the band, you can tell they they'd never played with Daisy before, and then Daisy comes on stage and they get excited. So it's it's really cool moment i actually really like that i do love i think it's the end of episode four when they're at the house party and they start doing uh the cover of ooh la la by rod stewart yes 
And that one. The faces, by the way. Oh, well, the yeah, faces. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the old guy. The old guy has the china. I have that album. <laughs> But that one was so much fun, too, because we're just, you know, you want to make it feel like you're there at this house party because, you know, it's fun when somebody gets on the piano and everybody sings along. And so with that one, I was so thankful they recorded it on the day. And we start out with the live recording that they gave us because it just sounded... I loved how the I loved the way she started singing uh, and how she sounded there and in that space because there it wasn't perfect, you know, like she was in tune and everything, but it was like, oh, yeah, it's just it was a more raspiness to her performance than what we were delivered from the pre-recorded tracks. And so that's where, you know, that ADR for music sort of applies because you're like, all right, well, we're starting with production and we're going to go into these pre-recorded tracks at some point. So we got to match that, which is so much fun. I think this is important on the stage as mixers is we get all the ingredients, but we end up it's it's our job to make the pie and how we want that pie to taste. And, you know, so we might have gotten pre-records all the way through and somebody might have just said, oh, well, we have the pre-records. We'll make this work. But if something's not working, you know, Lindsay's not shy. I'm not shy about going wow, that doesn't really track very well. That, like, well, why is that sound? That doesn't sound real or whatnot. And, and then, oh, let's go to the production here. Then we'll cross here. And so we can still feel the environment so it doesn't sound so naked. But anyway, the point is we get these tracks and we don't have to use them when they're, you know, as they're sent to us, if you will. It's important. I've been on stages where well, no, that's the way it is. That's the way they gave it to us. Well, my, it doesn't really work. You know, let's let's try it this way. And we've got it if they want to go back the other way. So don't be scared to um, make it your own, I would say. Well, part of that is also having the time to dig into things. I've been on projects where there just isn't time. And maybe that was what it was like with Only Murders in the Building. You said that was a quick show where, you know, you got to get this done by 8 p.m. tonight. So these are the tracks. Let's go, go, go. So it's nice that on this show you had the luxury of time to dig into stuff. That's that's awesome. That is true. So thankful for that. Mm -hmm. It's been mentioned a couple times about crowds. Crowds in the show are super important because... We see a ton of footage of the band on stage, but there aren't a ton of shots of the crowd in the show. I'm assuming that's COVID restraints. I, I don't know the background of it. It was. The crowd almost fully exists in a lot of the scenes in the sound that you are mixing into it. The crowd work is amazing. We've got tools recently. We mentioned the Slapper by Cargo Cult. There's Envy by Cargo Cult. Take uh, pre-existing crowd recordings and kind of shape them into... But there are scenes where the crowd is singing the songs that the band... There's one scene that's a cappella where the crowd is singing. I can't even begin to imagine how that was pulled off. Is there... Can you tell me the story of that? 
Yes, that was such a fun moment uh, of the show in the in the last episode. I love that moment. The crowd sings along with the band. Uh, actually, the, the band or the lead singers aren't singing because it's a very emotional moment. So it's a delicate balance already. Our sound mixer from the set, Chris Welker, he shot the extras that they had on the day, and that's about 100 people. Frankie Pine, the music supervisor, was like teaching them the song. She sings it, and then they repeat after her. So we had that recording from production. We had Loop Group, Mark Relier and uh, I think George Haddad had shot. I'm sort of like layering things. Maybe I was like, okay. (laughs) I remember. I remember the day. I'm like, okay, here we go. It'll get somewhere, guys. I'm having post-traumatic stress disorder just telling the story. (laughs) I'm like, don't listen to anything yet, anybody. (laughs) It'll get there. But, I mean, it's like we had a great foundation with production. So we're using that, and I'm giving that the treatment that I do, uh, like with Slapper, with EQ, and maybe mm, let's layer it, so double it up, but uh, it vary the pitch or time time compression, you know, like it, it can't, you know, or else it'll phase. Um, so we're doing that. Okay, then we have the loop group on top of that, and that's sounding better. Okay, good. This is sounding like something. Let's all listen. Oh, shoot. It's a nice homogenous sound. However, we need the icing. And so then we're like, okay, fire up that mic. Uh, Let's sing. Okay, but we're not enough. Let's wait until our playback. (laughs) (laughs) Really? And everybody's here. (laughs) Guys, you have to sing with us. Um, But it was actually so much fun. Uh, just to to do that and have everybody in the room like we really need you for this because you know not only are we hearing the the distant people but then when you're nestled in the crowd looking up at them performing you're like ooh I want to hear just a few voices and and so that really helped and you know just like bobbing and weaving everywhere playing with the verbs that was it was a huge task. And I do think um, Mark Relier, I think he had used Envy to try and uh, give you a crowd to like modulate with the the music. We had possibly used a little bit of that or maybe it was on your side, Matt. But um, I remember he had experimented with that. Uh, but, yeah, it's just like, you know, 10 seconds of crowd singing Ten seconds of screen time and weeks of work. Yeah, you're just. And it was really fun and tricky to try and get out of the massive crowd and get into just them lonely singing, and the and you really want everybody's been to a stadium concert where the stadium sings, so we can't have it not sound like that. And so that was when we first did the production. Well, that doesn't work. When we first added the group, that doesn't work. One, they all sound great. And so then when everybody came in for playback and we did like probably four to six of us, uh, I'd say about uh, six out of the 10 of us, if not eight out of the 10 of us can't sing very well at all. So it was just good. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, which is what we needed. 
And, uh, and then, uh, and then, you know, when you have those different things, you can spread them around the room. You can even keep them way back, have just reverb returns up. And you, once you have enough elements to work with, but that's another thing about getting on the mix stage and, you know, Mark did a, did a great job of giving us a lot of stuff and yet it's okay if it's not enough and we need more or we need something different or we need that. Lindsay and I are notorious on only murders or anything, having that mic set up and go, oh man, I, I you know, I missed that. Can we get some breathing there or, or something, you know, whatever. And we're just, again, always, always looking forward, even on a short a day to try and um, get that story told as best as possible. We When I heard that the first time, the crowd singing, you know, you want to be watching the show and paying attention to it and not thinking about your sound nerd stuff. But the second I heard it, I was just like, how'd they do that? <laughs> that must have been so hard. That's amazing. But it also sounded great. So congratulations on pulling that off because that that's quite an achievement. Uh, finally, one last thing I just want to talk about before I let you go is the idea of uh, a kind of a dynamic mix when the band's playing on stage and we cut to the bass player, bringing the bass up just a little bit and like giving each instrument a focus when it's on screen, but not making it pop. Like that, that can't be really obvious. How hard is that? I mean, I loved it when they would cut to close-ups of the instruments because then usually I tried to make it pretty wide, the feel of the music. But when that happened, I would be like, all right, yay, I get to play. Um, and I think it was the bass and the drums that were delivered to me LCR. For those, I would just, I would mono it up and feature those instruments, but I would also like give it a little level boost. I would do whatever I could. And I think there was even another time when, you know, I was like, ah, shoot, we have a feat, you know, we're featuring this instrument right here, but what's going on in the music isn't giving us any like, musically it's not featuring itself so i think you know there were times when we would sort of cheat it like oh the with the organ it was easy because <laughs> we're like oh no give her something else to play <laughs> so that you know we can actually hear what she's doing instead of just holding a chord well, won't you let me down let me down let me down easy if you're gonna let me mixed it in Atmos, so it was a lot of fun, especially in the time when they're recording the, the song um, Let Me Down Easy. Uh, I think it's in episode five. Uh, that one, you're like sort of going through the live, you know, the big room where they're all, you know, playing their instruments. And so that was a lot of fun to sort of like play with panning, because uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to let this guitar just go over this way. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, not take you out of the 
the mix or you know of, of the story of the music so you're just like all right it's left for a little bit and then okay let's get back to the right and even it out I guess that was my approach you know you just watch it and you're like oh we could do that and even when I would miss it I know the showrunners would say hey could we boost this a little bit I'm like uh, yes why didn't I do that <laughs> You know, especially like in episode 10, which was the Soldier Field climax. One of the tricky parts about that was, you know, when they come out on stage the first time, we've been waiting 10 episodes for that to happen. And so it needs to sound super exciting and super massive, right? And uh, But we still have a place we need to get to by the end. So that was tricky to have that excitement and then not lose that energy throughout all the different facets of it. And then also, I'd say with regards to uh, whether it be instruments or crowds or the whole soundscape going away for a little bit, bringing in score, uh, hearing them just talk and bringing everything back or coming up, is you just try and make these 20-minute sequences. If it's just loud and proud, it's actually kind of boring. So sometimes we'll just put it together as pieces. Okay, now this works. Now how do we make it emotional? Or how do we make it not boring? And I think that's what we did there. There were some really great examples of that in the show, like right before they play on Saturday Night Live. Ladies and gentlemen, my new favorite band, Daisy Jones and the Six. We kind of go into Daisy's perspective for a second. There's kind of a tinnitus, uh, high-pitched squeal, and then it just snaps out and goes into the full band. That tells an emotional story that just hearing the music only doesn't do. And there's multiple points throughout the series that that worked really, really well. Yeah, yeah thank you. We tried. I was going to say, I loved how, you know, Matt made the crowd sound uh, when we were backstage with our band members as well. It's like they, you would hear, you know, some more close up people. And it was just like the, you, you still gave it life uh, and energy in those moments when it's, you know, Emotions are high and everything's a bit chaotic. Yeah, I love the the life that was still there. As I said earlier, I believe uh, I'm a big fan of the show. I really got into it. It was one of those shows that had me starting a new episode at a time of night when I should have been going to bed and then regretting it the next day. So thank you for making me lose all that sleep. Uh, <laughs> congratulations on the nominations on the show. And uh, thanks for joining us today. It was really great talking to you. Glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. Love the podcast. Thank you so much. Okay, before we leave you, a quick reminder that we have not one, but two sound design meetups coming soon. September 26th in Toronto and October 26th in New York. If you're able to make it, please come out and join the audio community for some good stories and laughs. Full details on our website, tonebenderspodcast.com. Make sure to tune in for our upcoming episode with the absolute legend, Doc Kane. He has heard it all as the main voice and ADR recordist at Disney since the 1980s. He tells some great stories you won't want to miss. Until then, big thanks to Lindsay and Matthew for joining me today. My name is Tim Muirhead. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to Tonebenders. Talk to you soon. Bye. Tonebenders is produced by Timothy Muirhead, Renee Coronado, and Teresa Morrow. Theme music is by Mark Strait. Send your emails to info at tonebenderspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter via at the Tonebenders and join Tonebenders Podcast on Facebook. Support this podcast. You can use our links when you shop with Amazon or B&H or leave us a tip. 
Just go to ToneBendersPodcast.com and click the support button. Thanks for listening. Are you looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? ToneBenders is part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.